Hey, what not the podcast? Pastor Wolfmuller here. Monday, January 16th, Year of Our Lord, 2023. Uh, today's audio is from the Sunday Drive Home, thinking about three minor points of the wedding at Cana. Wedding at Cana has one major point, the sign that Jesus gives with water to wine and the disciples believe. But there's some minor points to be made about, well, what does Jesus think about wine and marriage and Mary? So that's what's going on here. Hope you enjoy it. Keep those questions coming. Wolfmuller.co slash contact. And don't forget to sign up for Wednesday Whatnot, also at the website. Here you go. The minor points of the wedding at Cana. Hey, YouTube theologians. Pastor Wolfmuller here. Monday, drive to church to investigate what happened yesterday. So first time in 17 years, <laughs> all week, I was working on the wedding at Cana sermon. Even before church, I said, hey, wedding at Cana today. And maybe the vicar and Jonathan were looking at me like, what? Wait. But then it all sort of came together when the vicar handed me the gospel book and I looked at John chapter 1 instead of John chapter 2. <laughs> I said, wait, hand me your bulletin. Sure enough, <clears throat> it was not the wedding at Cana yesterday. It was, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and the, and the John sending, the, John the Baptist sending John the Apostle and Andrew to follow Jesus. Beautiful text, oh, beautiful text, but not exactly the text I was planning on preaching on. So you get the sermon I was planning on. Well, sort of. You guys get the warm up of the sermon I was planning on preaching because, while the major point of the wedding at Cana, Jesus' first sign so beautiful. It turns water. He shows who he is and what he's come to do. It's not, he could have performed the sign of turning wine into water, but that is not the sign that he wanted to prevail in your, in your conscience. It's the water to wine. So he's God who makes all things new and joyful and good. That's the main point. But there's a couple of minor points. So just to think about, so for example, what does Jesus think about wine? (laughs) <laughs> I think this is, I always like to imagine John, the apostle, who's uh, years later, bishop in Ephesus. And he, he goes to visit someone's house. And he's got his old bishop gray beard on. And he kind of walks in there. Still got a sparkle in his eye, no doubt. And they serve dinner, and he's sitting and visiting, and they pour a glass of wine, and he takes the wine, and he looks at it, and he sips it, and he says, it's not as good. It's not as good as the Cana wine. It's not as good as the, what is it, the, the 30 vintage? <laughs> In Cana, it's not as good as the wine that Jesus made. Jesus made the good wine. There's a big point about it, right? Because the the master of the feast goes to the bridegroom and he's like, "Hey, what are you playing at? You're supposed to put the best stuff out first. Uh, Jesus doesn't just turn the water to wine; he turns the water into good wine, to the best wine. Now, this is he does all things well. That's part of the point. But also, there's a tendency in 
in Christian history at various points to become teetotalers, to become, uh, what is it? You can't drink wine, whatever the word I can't remember. You can't drink alcohol. Kind of abolitionist. That's, it's not the word, what is the word? Anyway, you'll remember the word for me. Put it in the comments. Uh, to say, hey, alcohol is forbidden. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't for Jesus. And, and this is a careful thing. Now, let's be really clear on this. The scripture prohibits drunkenness. It prohibits any loss of sobriety. And that can be through wine or beer, alcohol or drugs or anything else. If we lose our sobriety, we are sinning. And we're opening the way to other sins. That's one of the dangers of sobriety because sobriety is an attack on the conscience. So the, the conscience has a restraining function. It's like a cage and uh, it holds me back from just doing whatever I want. But if I'm drunk, then the cage door flies open. So if the animal, if the beast that's in the cage is angry, then I become a brawler. Or if that beast in the cage is lustful, then I become a, a floozy. That's a Nacho Libre reference. People might think you're a floozy. <laughs> you, you become loose uh, and unchaste. Or if, um, whatever, whatever the, whatever the animal is in the cage, all of our, all of our original synodness, all of our concupiscence kind of breaks in various different directions. And it could be uh, that, that verse in the Proverbs that says, wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler, is that the different kinds of drunkenness lets out the different animal. So, so beer might let out the, the angry animal and wine lets out the obnoxious animal or whatever. There's a phrase in Luther. You know what? Most, the most viewed page on my website is the top five beer quotes from Martin Luther. And most of them are making fun of how the Germans are drunk and they ought not to be. And Luther, there's one where Luther is talking about being a beer knight. <laughs> you get the idea. Like you have two or three beers and now you're ready to go and fight a war all by yourself. You're a beer knight. Uh... That is called now liquid courage. Same sort of thing. Beer is a brawler. So that it just lets out the, it's like the cage, the conscience is a restrainer, a cage, and it, and it lets it out. And so then there's all these other sins. And on top of that, here's, the, here's one of the nasty things about drunkenness, is that, is that it not only kind of loosens the restraints on your sinful flesh, but it comes with this built-in excuse uh, for this kind of built-in self-justification. Oh, I didn't know what I was doing. Ah, I was drunk. So you, you saw, even this, I don't even remember kind of thing. Which I'm not sure. So anyway, point is, Christians are called to sobriety. You, you're listening to this, you're a YouTube theologian. You should never be drunk. It should be that simple. You shouldn't even be close. And none of this... Uh, you're taking my Christian freedom nonsense. It's a commandment. You are not free to sin. You're, you are set free so that you can love your neighbor. And while there's more to being sober-minded 
than not being drunk. There's not less. So that's clear. And yet, there are those who would say, okay, okay, so we're not supposed to be sober, so that means we have to, we can't touch alcohol at all. That is also a problem because the Lord has not commanded that. In fact, the, the Christian religion requires people to drink wine. When Jesus says he took the cup and he blessed it, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. I was thinking about that. Every week, every Christian has a taste of wine. It's not something that's to be afraid of. It's a gift that's given by God. It, it, the advantage is it can be enjoyed also while we are sober, and it brings joy and apparently some health benefits to Timothy and so forth. So that's so Jesus is not a teetotaler. He likes wine. That's one of the marks of the new heaven and the new earth is that the, the hills drip with fat and the rivers run with wine. So there you go. That's one of the minor points. The other minor point, one of the other minor points is, uh, has to do with Mary. The Blessed Virgin Mary is there at the wedding at Cana. And I cannot get this idea out of my mind since someone told me a few years ago, you know who you are. He said, you know why Mary was so upset? It's because she never had a wedding herself. That's right. Mary and Joseph would have had to get married in secret or in private, or at least it was a small wedding. You would never have a big wedding feast with wine and feasting and, and food and dance and drink and all the stuff for all these days like they normally would if the, if the bride was expecting. No. No. So Joseph and Mary would have had a little tiny little deal. There wouldn't have been enough people there even to drink all the wine. So Mary is particularly sensitive to this. Mary comes to Jesus, and, and it seems like, you know, she's been treasuring all these things in her heart, kind of waiting for Jesus, and now she knows he's been baptized by John, her nephew. And she's thinking, okay, now it's time. Let's see. Let's see. And she calls Jesus to help. Maybe, I, it seems like Mary's expecting a miracle. You could read it a different way. You could just, Mary is like, hey, Jesus, you need to help. But Jesus is pointing out to her that, hey, my kind of helping now that I'm baptized and now that I'm the Messiah, now that I have the office of Christ, remembering that Jesus before his baptism was Jesus and Jesus after his baptism is Jesus the Christ. I, my help comes in a different way, maybe. Maybe Mary's looking for a miracle. Jesus, it's not time yet, whatever. Mary seems to ignore what Jesus says and turns to the servants and say, whatever he says, do. And those are the last words of Mary. This is important. John is concerned about what people think of these characters that are around Jesus. Remember? Remember at the very end of the Gospel of John, 
when Jesus says to Peter, when you were younger, you'll be dragged, you go where you want, but when you get older, you'll be dragged around, and, and then you'll be killed, and Peter says, what about John? And Jesus says, that's not your business. And then John says that some people interpreted that to mean that he, John, would be alive until Jesus returned. And John clarifies, that's not what Jesus said. He just said, it's none of your business. This is my paraphrase, but you get the idea. So, so John is concerned, what do people think of John the Baptist? What do people think of Peter? What do people think of him, John? What do people think of Mary? And John is so, so emphatic that these people whom Jesus dealt with, the family of Jesus, the friends of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, ought to be diminished and Jesus is to be increased. So John highlights this preaching of John the Baptist. I must decrease, he must increase. John, I'm only a witness of the light. I'm not the light. John presents himself as only a witness. Peter is only a witness. And he gives us the right way here to think of Mary in the church. We call her blessed. That's what she's pro prophesied. All generations will call me blessed. But Mary points the servants, that's us, that's our place in this whole parable, this whole story, this whole history. He points the servants to Jesus. Don't look to me to, for help. Look to Jesus for help. And, and with that, Mary says her last and final word. Oh, that this final word from Mary <clears throat> would be the word that our Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic friends would hear. Because the temptation always, for whatever reason, in the East and especially in, in the Roman Church is to make Mary the helper instead of Jesus. That Mary is the intercessor. That Mary is the one who's really nice. Like, <clears throat> it's like, God the Father and God the Son are in heaven trying to figure out how to lower the boom on you. And Mary goes up and says, hey, guys, take it easy. It's like the, the picture of the heavenly council that starts to develop, especially with this Roman Catholic idea of Mary as the co-redemptrix. So this, it's another minor point of the wedding at Cana that it teaches us rightly to see Mary. The other, Mary, so, so how do we see rightly Mary? She is the Theotokos, the bearer of God. She is the mother of God in that way, which we confess. She was also, though, a sinner who needed, like you and I, the grace of God in Christ. And so it's more astonishing to Mary that Jesus is her Savior than it is that he is her son. So Mary has the same blessing from Jesus that we have. Uh, the other minor point, although this is less minor, but the other minor point about the wedding at Cana has to do with marriage itself. There's this beautiful old um, thought pattern revealed in the liturgy and the idea is that whatever Jesus uh, engages with he sanctifies 
I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, we have, mm, ah, yeah, the uh, prayer from Martin Luther on in the baptismal rite that says that uh, part of the prayers by your baptism in the Jordan River, you sanctified all waters to be a lavish washing away of sin. So Jesus in the water sanctifies the water for baptism. Hmm. Another example is the the prayer for the blessing of the grave in the funeral liturgy where we pray to the Lord Jesus by your three day rest in the tomb you sanctified the graves of all believers. (laughs) So that if Jesus is doing it it makes the thing holy. This March for Life is coming up. This week in D.C., next week in Texas, by the way. Wolfmuller.co slash events. Get involved. It's great. The, uh, the Missouri Senate, I found out this. They, they have a like a whole listing of local events for March for Life where you can find it. It's somewhere on the Missouri Senate website. So I know that because our event is up there now. But there's a bunch of others. Wherever you are, you, you should get involved for this. And we say that, look, when Jesus was conceived in the womb, he, he's, he sanctifies the womb. It becomes a holy place. Every every place where Jesus has this, he, he, he sanctifies. And so also now, when Jesus goes to the wedding at Cana, there's a beautiful, in the address, at the beginning of the rite of holy matrimony, where it says, you approved and blessed marriage by your presence and first miracle at Cana. By your presence and first sign at Cana, something like that. So when Jesus shows up to the wedding at Cana, he says, you know what? I like weddings and I like marriages. That's and <laughs> And of course, I mean, Jesus is the one who invented it. He's the one who gave Adam and Eve to one another and said the two are one. I mean, the one became two. And then he says, not for long, back together in this joyful, beautiful way. And I... Did I tell you this already? Pastor Melius in Denver uh, preached this beautiful, beautiful wedding sermon a couple of weeks ago. Talking about Adam and Eve in the garden and how the Lord comes down to Adam and Eve. And they're, and they've got all these questions like, can we still live? Yes. Will we belong to the devil? No. And then, can we still be married? And when, when the Lord says to Eve, you'll have pain and childbearing, Adam and Eve say, we can still be married. <laughs> the fall did not take away that great gift. That's beautiful. It's hard. It's going to be hard to be married. But it's good. That's the, that's the basic point. Being married is... Marriage is good. You were married? That's good. And the Lord is the one who put you together. That's always the main thing for marriage, remember? What God has joined together, let no one separate, is that the Lord has joined you together. If you were married, that's the Lord's doing. It doesn't do anything wrong. 
So we build on husbands loving wives and wives honoring and submitting to their husbands. We build that on the foundation of the Lord joining the two together. That was a beautiful sermon. I gotta look up if someone can find Pastor Melius's wedding sermon for his daughter. We should put that on the Wednesday whatnot. That was great. Hmm. So, a wedding at Cana, minor points, although all pretty major. What does Jesus think about wine? What does Jesus? What's the second one? Oh, what does Jesus think about Mary? What does Jesus think about marriage? And in the water turned to wine, we have, what does Jesus think about you? He says, look, you, all your incessant self-purification, forget it. I've, I've covered your sins. And if you like this water turned to wine, I'll show you an even greater miracle. I'll turn the wine into blood. <laughs> Thanks for being part of the fun. Uh, hey, if you're in D.C. this week, that'd be awesome. See you at the March for Life. Hey, if you're in Texas next week, that'd be awesome. March for Life, January 28th. Sat it's Friday in D.C. It's Saturday uh, here in Texas. So join us uh, for that and for praying for the marches. And there's, uh, did I just say this in the video, audio? There's spots on the Missouri Synod website to join. I think I did. That's a repeat announcement. Free books at wolfmuller.co slash books. Downloads or something. Anyway, it's on the tab. That's there also, so keep uh, keep reading that theology stuff, and uh, uh, we'll catch you on the next time. Oh, uh, feedback on what not the podcast. Sorry that the audio was so low on the episode last week on Friday or whatever. Working on that. Hopefully this is better. Uh, but thanks for those feedback and the, keep the questions coming. Christ is risen. God's peace be with you.